0: Hey there, and welcome to the Leap podcast. Striving to meet the greatest challenges facing humanity, Leap is a global tech event and a platform for unearthing the minds of some of the most influential people on the planet. Join our conversations as we explore the pivotal role technology has in reshaping our world.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Leap In podcast series. Today's focus is on retail, and we'll dive deep into the ever-evolving landscape that we're all tied to, somehow or another. Well, we're joined today by Ian Mahoney, the Director of Engineering Platform's at New Look, For those who don't know, New Look is the number one omnichannel retailer in the UK for 18 to 45-year-olds. Ian is responsible for product and platform engineering and technology strategy for them and has previously worked in similar technology leadership roles for other retailers, including Selfridges and Marks & Spencer. He's got deep interests in AI and machine learning, organisational transformation, building product and engineering teams, and delivering value and growth through technology solutions and is also a fellow member of the British Computer Society and a regular speaker at various technology and retail events. Um, Ian, welcome. The the topic for today is is data and engineering and how it revolutionises retail. So just to set the context, what's the role of you and your team in a retailer?
0: The role of my team within a retailer is is to uh, build technology solutions that support our business um plain and plain and simply we we're, we're, you know we 're not a technology company we 're a retailer so so everything that we do has to be laser focused on on delivering value um, for for our business and our customers so in order to do that we we, we kind of structure ourselves around long lived value streams aligned to the the particular outcomes of the of, of the company so these are these are largely split into product engineering value streams so the, probably some of the more the more tangible things that we have around the digital commerce platforms, etc., and our point of sale systems in store. Um, but also, we have our our, our platform engineering um, value streams um, that actually produce a you know, developer experience that support our product engineering team. So, probably the the one we're we're going to focus on for the for the rest of this conversation is our is our data platform engineering team. Um, that that provides and enables the, the kind of data insights and solutions for for our other teams and our businesses to use.
1: And I'm sure you've got a great number of tools at your uh, disposal now um, to, uh, to to maximise on the uh, the data that you have of your customers. Can you take us through the different tools you actually work with and how they're helping you at the moment?
0: In terms of tools, we are we are pretty invested um, in building our solutions on the the Microsoft Azure platform and are in fact kind of just starting out on our journey to to, to migrate our, our EDW or into into a data lake on uh, on azure um, so we're we leveraging leveraging the azure platform capabilities but also using some some you know pretty new technology platforms such as databricks um, to to allow us to kind of build that lakehouse and then then bring our data to life I'm sure that, you know, you, it's a
1: very sophisticated job that you've got on your hands. How do you translate all of the information that you gather to different teams and to the divisions so, you know, it's to make changes that are tangible?
0: Yeah, so it's, a, it's it's a very valid question. I think um, you can, it's very easy to end up with, with data or, or, or information overload. Um, what What we do is to ensure that, that the analysis and analytics and, and insight provided um, is very clear and actionable I mean it's all very well having having all of the data and, and insight in in the world but unless you've got some some actionable insight to make then it's you know it, it's really just a it's a nice read but you're not able to do anything on the back of it so we work with our our business stakeholders to to kind of really define what their outcomes and and key results are and then make sure that we can work work with them to produce the data that helps them helps them track their progress towards outcomes
1: and I know that you joined the company relatively recently have you noticed any changes though already can you for example share what you're you're currently working towards
0: yes it's been uh well it's been eight months now so relatively recently but uh but, but yeah it's um a a solid eight months what we are working towards is really to put data front and center of our decision making process from from how we how we deal with 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 customers online and and how we interact with customers online and what customers are looking for and searching for all the way through to how we use data to help us uh, predict what batches and what sizes to order in our particular products um, it, it's it, it's quite a manual task at the moment. Once we once we decide on on the particular uh, products that we we'd like to make and buy and, and and sell for a particular season, that's one thing. But but then it's a it's a bit of a rule of thumb that that happens in terms of okay, then what split of sizes would we would we then order for those particular products? But one of the key use cases we're looking at the moment is to is to really use data for what's selling in, in our store, what customers are searching for online and what customers are actually purchasing um, to allow us to better forecast the, the split and the size distribution that we order. I mean, the, the, these things tend, tend not to be a standard distribution bell curve, um, which, which is used traditionally. So, so we're looking to use data from multiple sources to help us predict the size variance that we should order for each of our particular products.
1: That's interesting. So it doesn't follow that bell curve example.
0: It no, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And um, you know, the the different uh different garments um have very different uh bell curves that, that would that would go across the size distribution. So it, it you really cannot provide a a one size fits all model for this, which is which has become very apparent to us over the over the last few years and and results in, in missed opportunity and, and wastage, for example, not having garments in in the right sizes where we have demand or, or or also having garments in sizes where we don't necessarily have demand so not only do we disappoint the customers but we 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 reduce the the profitability levels for ourselves so being able to become more accurate based on uh, based on all the data points we have is is quite a big driver for us
1: it's interesting, in your case, both um, figuratively and literally, you can't provide a one-size-fits-all. One
0: size <laughs> well,
1: but, you know, for, for brands, retailers, marketplaces, and everybody um, in the retail world, as a data guy, what would you suggest to them to do in their own firms to make the most out of all of the data that they've got at their disposal? That's, that, that's,
0: that's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, don't, don't keep all of the data and insight to to a kind of single insight team. I, I think it's really important that we democratize yeah. the data to make sure that the the teams needing to make the decisions have access to the data needed, and 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 in essence, don't have to put in a service request to a, a IT team to produce a report to them. Because as we all know, you know, a, a report is is out of date as soon as it's created or or printed. Um, So democratization of of the data and and providing access to kind of real-time data to to our business users is is absolutely key.
1: I want to come on to ask you more broadly, the retailing world is vastly competitive, of course it is, um, from legacy brands to new brands, upcoming brands. Just expand, if you will, how you're trying to have an edge over all the others.
0: It's the secret sauce, isn't it? I think it's ensuring that, we've got a product that customers want at a time that that they want it um, you know having a, a a quick a quick turnaround phase from from kind of you know design of a product to to getting it available online or or in our stores is is absolutely absolutely critical kind of being able to to read the signs and and, and what the what the market might be looking for in the in the next season or the season after next i think is it's, it's you know it's very easy to, to to forget that the clothes that that we see in our stores now for our current autumn winter collection were, we're kind of designed and, and and selected six to nine months ago so you know we we are constantly in essence trying to 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 predict the future and and understand the what our customers want now as as we know it's it's far easier to to predict the future and, and what's likely to happen in the future if you have a clearer understanding about trends and what's happened in the past and then that's where the analytics of, of, of data points about what's what's sold well and what hasn't sold well really comes into really comes into play and that's for our own brands and for our, our kind of concession brands that 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 we sell however new look is sits in quite a, a unique position so so we sell concession brands ourselves in our store and and, and on our website but uh, but also we are a concession brand in in terms of other marketplaces for example Zolando and, and, and asos so you know i i think it's i think it's important that that we can we can work with our partners at both ends of the the kind of concession spectrum um and offer as broad a choice as possible to our customers and what we've what we found then certain solutions with with DTC or, or direct to customer, or often referred to as, as dropship solutions, whereby we can we can leverage the stock positions of some of our partners to to help deliver and fulfil customer orders without holding stock ourselves is, is is absolutely critical. It, it, it provides much more much more choice and opportunity to our customers uh, without just relying on a single stock level that we may have.
1: I want to ask a little bit about the impact of coronavirus and the lockdown in terms of what you now do with the highly skewed data that you'll received over that period. How have you dealt with that
0: a very interesting question it It did kind of uh, skew the, the models that we look at and would track ourselves against because I, I think like most like most retailers you, you look on you look at year on year trends however when the previous year, or, or, or in most cases, now the previous two years um, have a very different pattern from a from a traditional year. It kind of becomes le- it, it adds little value to compare your current trading year against the previous year or year on year. So um, what what we have been doing is is comparing our current year our financial year twenty two um, against our previous full last full trading year, which was the financial year. Um, 2019, so we 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 do look with some insight at the at the previous two years, but it doesn't really provide us the, the the data we need to understand how we are performing with with all other factors the same, i.e. with all of our 400 or so stores open, you know people out and about and in, in the mood to, to 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 go to go clothes shopping. So we've we've adopted the approach of of looking at the 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 forecast and and our results from two years ago as to how we now track our results for this year
1: and would you say that the British shoppers retail behavior has returned pretty much to what it was before the lockdown um
0: I think largely initially it it, it did it did return to to how how the world was and how the the shopping behavior was pre pre 2020 there is there's a huge amount of pent-up demand I think for for people just to 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 get out and about and and get themselves into physical stores, um, you know online served us very well. We ha- we have a we have a very strong uh, digital business at, at, at newlook.com, But the real benefit of our offering is is the omnichannel offering, bringing together the 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 customer experience across our four hundred stores and and our digital platform. And I think customers really, you know, they they got fed up of doing everything online throughout the the year or two years of lockdown and were very happy to be going into stores and touching and feeling and trying on, trying on products. And then also with the world opening up, so did, um, so did parties and events, and you know people were were, were keen to to step out of the the yeah. jogging pants and the sweatpants they'd been wearing <laughs> for the for the last two years and, and go and buy some clothes and show them off. So it's uh it it it's been a it's been great for us since the world opened up.
1: I know what you mean. I mean, it almost became a novelty, didn't it, to actually go into a shop again and be able to use a, a dressing room and <laughs> changing room. And, yes, um, it, yes. It, it, it brought the high street back from 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 death, really, like a phoenix from the flames.
0: Yes, yeah, it did. And, and what was what was very interesting is before be, before lockdown and clearly during lockdown, the it, it, pure play um, retailers, the the growth of pure play retailers was was going very strong. However, since since the the world and, and the high street has has reopened, customers are really really valuing um, retailers that have an omni channel presence. Um, with with pure play retailers now now really kind of struggling in this in this space. One of the factors for that is, I mean, not only people wanted to get out and touch and feel the product, but I suppose this it, it does move over into, into this point as well. Is is pure play retailers do suffer with a, a particular problem of a of a high returns rate, which which also is compounded by the problem we we discussed earlier on about the, um, the the size distribution. People are unsure of of sizes that they need to buy when they when they're just buying online. So typically, customers buy buy two or sometimes three sizes. They buy the size that that they think they are, one above and one below, and, and one to know, be. Now, one of those, yeah, one, exactly, exactly that. And you know, one of those three fits, and the customer keeps one of those items but returns two um and and the cost of returns especially for pure play retailers is is really drag, dragging dragging the business model down whereas for a, an omni-channel retailer such as such as new look with a you know quite significant presence in retail parks and and high streets 400 or so stores across the uk um customers have the opportunity to return stuff into our stores which brings them you know, into our stores and and typically, you know, into the sales environment again, and as they're returning stuff to us, they would, it's not uncommon to pick up a new item in store. So, you know, the, 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 the nature of having the digital business support the retail business and the retail business support the digital is is really showing the, the true value of, uh, of an omni-channel retailer.
1: We've just had a rather controversial, rather bold uh, mini-budget from the British Chancellor. Um, it's affected the, the, the value of the pound on the markets and some concern has been expressed. Um, what's your narrative on uh, this, this last week and, and how does it impact you and the sort of data that you're receiving
0: interesting very interesting I, I think that everyone everyone was pleased to see some of the uh some some of the tax cuts tax cuts certainly the um uh the corporation tax rate cut was uh was, was well received but not only by us but uh, i'm sure by 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 every company um as a as a signal of growth however the certain actions from the from the mini budget then did have the uh, kind of intended. Or, Hopefully, unintended consequences of weakening the pound still further against the dollar, which um, is a challenge for many, many organisations, many retailers, uh, particularly when a lot of product is typically bought in dollars. Um, so it's a, it, it is a particular challenge for for retailers who who would then buy their product in in dollars, um, especially when at the start of the year we might have had a forecast of a of a particular dollar pound exchange rate um, only for for this to to kind of have gone down over the over the past few months so it's um yeah a little bit of a frustrating headwind you know it, 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 in spite of of however well the business is is doing and you know growing customers and, and growing sales you know sometimes a, a lot of these leaps and strides forward can get eaten up by headwinds such as a you know a dollar a dollar pound exchange rate um, so even in even if you know, you think you're going forward it, it's it's sometimes perhaps like trying to to run forward on on one of those travelators in the airport that's going in the opposite direction. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, challenging. But I I think that we're we're not alone in facing these challenges. Um, And it just just makes us think more creatively.
1: I think you're right. You know, uh, in life and in statistics, I think often it can be one step forward and two steps back. But hopefully uh, that doesn't perpetuate itself. I'm going to come back, Ian, to talk about your presence uh, in a few moments' time. But I'd like to reflect firstly on... Your past, talk a little bit about your past career and what you've learned in the the realm of of data, number, statistics, and um, what that's enabled you to bring to New Look and, and their current situation.
0: I've, I've been in in and around the retail technology world for for over ten years now, since uh, since joining Marks and Spencer in in twenty twelve and and uh, delivering digital platforms, data platforms, moving on to uh, to, to Selfridges and doing a similar role. Um, so I'm quite familiar with the, the retail space and, and retail challenges, and and um, data, D- data and, and insight has been a hot topic just about everywhere I've been. Sometimes too much data. I think, I think certainly in previous roles and in organisations, I've seen so many reports going out daily that that it's just impossible to to read and, and impossible to distil any type of insight and and as we discussed earlier the important thing actionable insight about what what you should be doing on the back of this data so i I think i think the it's important not to have too much data coming out and not too much analytics Um, but what does come out it's important to make sure you're you're clearly clearly actionable and and also we mentioned it earlier is i'm not a big fan of sending reports out that, that include data analytics you know because these things are are out of date as soon as they're created we w- w- what i've tried to introduce here at New look as, as in my previous roles at Selfridge's and Marks and Spencer is kind of real time data dashboards um, where where we have particular dashboards that that answer questions and, and needs from different areas of the business um, whereby stakeholders can then go and drill down into that in in real time to 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 answer questions that they may have so Access to to real-time data, um, but real-time actionable data is key.
1: Now, Ian, working with data isn't everybody's um, cup of tea or coffee or whatever (laughs) your uh, chosen beverage might be. How do you best communicate this, both internally and externally?
0: It's definitely a bit of a, a niche area, and I think it's easy to get lost sometimes in the technology, as it is in many areas of IT. But I think what you always have to remember in any any solution that we build now, be it a digital commerce platform, a, a POS solution, a new logistic solution in a, in our warehouse, or a, or a data platform, you know, we're we're not just here to build cool tech, although that would be fun if we were. But we don't work for a technology company, um, so we're not just here to build and play around with cool tech. We we always have to make sure that the technology and the solution the solutions that we're building are anchored to a very clear business need and business outcome. Um, so with the, the way we do that is is we, we try to form long-lived value streams or, or product teams, product engineering teams aligned to our business value streams and working with uh, our business stakeholders to ensure that we're continually delivering the right thing that adds value to the business.
1: And just finally, and, and please feel free to take as long as you want in your response because it's a broad question, an intentionally broad question. We are talking today about data and engineering. How... Important are they to the successful management and administration of a company such as the one for which you work?
0: It's one of the most, the, the most important things. The um, data, data, data is a new gold, isn't it? I, I think you know, data is 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 clearly the, one of the most valuable assets um, on the planet, and and being able to to understand and use that data in the right way. Um, is what is required to give to give yourself a competitive and a commercial advantage. So those organisations that understand this and are ready to invest in in data platforms um, will have the competitive advantage over those those that don't.
1: And very finally, now it's 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 a bit of a naughty question, mm-hmm. but. Um, what would you say to the eighteen-year-old you um, embarking upon your career? What, in retrospect now, and maybe not with rose-tinted glasses, what advice would you give to you, or indeed um, um, uh, somebody like you, who was looking to get into this sort of line? That's a
0: that's an interesting one, isn't it? I started out on the engineering path. I my I, I did a degree in computer science. I was a software engineer when I when I when I left university, and and I. I, I kind of got sidetracked a little bit along the way onto a kind of management track, you know, working for some smaller companies, you, you you tend to wear many hats sometimes on engagement, project manager, et cetera. And I so I I think after spending five or six years in in engineering roles after university, I, I I then got a bit sidetracked and ended up on the kind of much more managerial track. Um, which I then kind of tried very hard to to find my way back to, to engineering and ensuring that that um, we build a, a engineering-led structures and, you know, I'm quite passionate about only taking roles where, where not only do I have engineering in my, in my job title, but I'm also actively involved in the technology solutions and, and engineering. So the advice that I would give to myself and anyone really wanted to, to, to embark on, on this journey is stay close to the tech. You know, don't, don't feel that you need to step away from, from the tech or the engineering in order to progress your career. You know, tech tech is what's going to get you far.
1: And the British high street um, often comes under scrutiny, and there are worries about uh, levels of, of spending and the healthiness of the British high street. Is the future bright?
0: The future is challenging, um, but yes, <laughs> I, I I I think I think the future is bright for the organisations and the and the retailers that that can combine. Uh, having the right product and having the right platforms and, and, and systems in order to sell that product efficiently to their customers.
1: Well, Ian, thank you very much indeed. And uh, Ian will also be joining us for the next edition of Leap, taking place from February the 6th to the 9th, 2023, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So we look forward to seeing you there. I'll be back soon with another edition of the Leap In podcast series.